0: Coming up on the Open Source Podcast with Tony Motley, we'll talk to journalist Rob Parker of Fox Sports One about the business interest that lurks behind professional sports. When we see the games resume, who's at risk to make it happen?
1: Well, you got fans. Fans make up, they say, 40% of their business. So tickets, they've had to refund the, the tickets that were sold already. Parking, concessions, those things are big businesses. People have no idea. Imagine owning a major league baseball team and you're buying, Tony, a bottle of water uh, for 10 cents because of the volume and, and you know what I mean, and and what what kind of deal you have, and you're selling that bottle of water for six or $7 each. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible profit margin. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: It's almost officially summer and in the face of a continuing global pandemic, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, and NCAA football are putting plans together to get back on the field. And what do they all have in common? They're billion-dollar enterprises. Joining me to discuss the business side of big-time sports is Rob Parker of Fox Sports 1. In addition to his duties on Fox Sports 1 television, Rob hosts The Odd Couple. Heard on Fox Sports 1, I heard Radio, and many other platforms across America. Rob, welcome to Open Source.
1: Man, Tony, thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it.
0: Rob, this is a crazy world we're living in. I mean, you tell me now, you're still doing your show from home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the studio, the television, is it's just kind of reopening now. We have been closed for a few months. And even all the shows aren't even back at the TV studio. And as far as radio, The Odd Couple, which is on Fox Sports Radio, uh, co host with Chris Broussard, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tony, I've been doing it from my apartment and Chris has been doing it from his home in Jersey. So it's been different. We haven't been together for more than 10 weeks, uh, but we're still cranking out content and still having fun on the radio So we always try to be fun and informative, but it is a different world we're living in.
0: And we look at right now, um, I mean, you've been a sports reporter. You've got a master's degree in journalism from an Ivy League school, Columbia. Put on your journalist hat and tell me, what do you think is the right time and the right circumstances for sports to resume?
1: I just wonder if it really is safe. If fans can't come to the game, I just wonder, are we putting athletes in harm's way because we want to be entertained. And sometimes we don't look at athletes as as people. We look at them as as our entertainment or the toy department or you know what I mean like like they don't have real lives and loved ones and hus- wives and husbands and kids or any of that stuff. And so when I hear like these crazy ideas thrown out Tony like, "Hey, let's put them in a bubble for 3 months and and have them play the rest of the NBA season. I'm like, okay. So during a pandemic, a husband is going to leave his wife and children and be isolated for three months. And God forbid, someone gets sick, you know, back home, or just this whole notion how do you make sure that there's no contact? It just seemed to me to be far fetched and unrealistic when dealing with humans. Really, Tony, you're asking NBA players not to make love to their wife for three months or, or not hug their children for three months? I think that's a bit much.
0: And I think that uh, you're right. I think the human part of it, it's, it sounds good. And I've even heard uh, some of the players say they're ready to go back. And, of course, a lot of money's on the line. A lot of guys right. need a payday. But at the end of the day, you, how do you make it safe? And I think we don't know that yet.
1: Especially it'd be different if there was a vaccine or something out there. You know, that's what people, I hear the comparison all the time to the flu. Well, more people die of the flu and whatnot. I I, I get it. But, but there is a vaccine. And I think that's really what people are waiting for. Something so that we can neutralize it. So we know where we're going if somebody gets it, you know, and how to treat it. And I think that's the part that's still, I'm no scientist. I'm no doctor. But I think that's where what we're waiting on. Otherwise, I mean, look at the life we're living, wearing masks and going into stores and most of the businesses still closed. I mean, Tony, can you imagine Macy's and some of these department stores have been closed for three months um, business-wise, what that has done. You don't do that just to do it. You, you, you do it because you really think there's a threat to society. And uh, so I'm not one of these guys who are, pushing back. I'm going to let the experts tell tell me what I should do and set up the guidelines and, and kind of deal with it from there. So if it says it's better for me to do my radio show from home, uh, I'm going to do it from home.
0: And, and I know there was a moment you were frustrated about that at first. Let's go back a couple months ago. That was you'd been on a trip. And I think, you know, the whole idea, I think it's taken everybody a moment to get their head around this pandemic.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I think the difference then when it first started was I think, you know, because remember it's evolved at first they told you it wouldn't, it doesn't make sense to wear a mask that, that, that wouldn't protect you. Do you know what I mean? Like, so the whole thing has evolved from, from the beginning of when it first, when I first got off that cruise ship and my thing was at that time they were talking about people who had symptoms And so if somebody's sick, they shouldn't come into work. Right. That never should be the case, even though we know plenty of people come into work sick and it's it's not good for everybody else. So I was kind of following what they were talking about early on. Like, you know, I'm feeling good. I don't have any symptoms. I'm not sick. Uh, That doesn't mean that you're that somebody else who's already in the building can't have it. And the only reason I can't come in is because I was on a ship. And I just, I don't think being on a cruise ship is the only way you can get it because most people weren't on a cruise ship and so many people have caught it. So I just, I just thought that was a little extra before we got into where we are.
0: And I think it's kind of the, one of the the fears that we have, the fear of the unknown. And, and really here we are 80 days later, we, we really still don't know when we look at, uh, at major league baseball, cause I think they're the, the organization, the group that's trying to get out there first to play games without fans. Now it's been tried in Korea and I haven't followed it. What has been the experience there? Have they had any resurgence? What's going on there?
1: Uh, I think a couple players have uh, gotten it um, from what I remember reading. Um, But, you know, for the most part, they've been able to do it. It's been interesting. Not the same, obviously, with no fans. Um, you know, people are so desperate to watch anything Would fans, watch it. I think they would watch it cause there's nothing really, there are no other options. I think, um, but I don't know. I'm, I, I love baseball more than anything. You know, I'm a baseball hall of fame voter. I, I just, I, I, the baseball is a part of my life. It's on in my house every day when the season's going. And I don't know, I don't know how it will feel to watch games with no fans, and what that would be like? Would I would I get an enjoyment out of it? Not to have the the atmosphere, the ambiance. You know what I mean? Of a ballpark and the sounds. You know, there's like a whole murmur of sound that goes on when you're watching the game. And and I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't know if that can be captured or, or made to feel the same way without the fans.
0: And I think even as a television experience, I've heard people say, well, they'll pipe in the sound. That just that seems lame to me.
1: Exactly. You got empty seats and there's some piped in sound. It'll look weird. It'll sound weird. I'm old enough to remember, and Tony, you might too, when NBC tried to do a football game with no announcers. Do you remember that?
0: was a really
1: bad idea. Bad idea. Like like the absolute worst. NBC tried it and it was supposed to be the sounds of the game. They were flashing the score a lot and, the, and and stuff. But there were no announcers for the game and it was awful.
0: What do you I mean what's at stake so listeners can get up their heads around this for baseball? I mean they they've made some uh, there's some negotiating going on right now between the players and the owners or whatever. What what's the dollars? What are they talking about?
1: Talking about baseball, if there's no season, owners could lose $4 billion. That's what it'd be. $4 billion, that's what's at stake. Um, you know, baseball last year had its uh, highest revenue earning year ever, $11 billion. $11 billion. It's incredible what a business. And, and a lot of the success of pro sports nowadays is all tied to uh, television. And Tony, as you know, um, the best television show to have for any television network currently is a live sporting event. That's the only thing that can't be taped or recorded and watched later. Everything else, people watch in their own terms. You know, they fast forward or forward through the commercials. They don't. It's not the same. There's no employment television, right? If I have a, a popular series, I could go to that place or that online and stream the entire season in one sitting rather than waiting for it to come on every week. So when, when, when people are able to do that, that's changed everything. But sports, that's why I think it's nine years in a row that the NFL Sunday Night Football has had the number one rated show. Can you imagine? That, that would have never happened 20 years ago, 25 years ago.
0: And, but and that, I, that's,
1: is, I mean, that's where it, it is.
0: Is, it, um, is there a, a, an additional value uh, that comes with that? I mean, obviously you can't replicate it, but does that make a, a live event more valuable? I mean, do they get more revenue because people aren't going to really yeah. DVR and watch it?
1: Well, they're, they're able to charge uh, advertisers and different things because they have live eyeballs if i'm if i'm an advertiser and i'm advertising on some sitcom or something i don't even know most people don't watch it when it comes on broadcast tv and then if they if they've recorded it to watch it later chances are they're fast forwarding through the commercials to just get to the content so for the most part people watch a game they put it on and 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 it's left on so i think that's why advertisers are
0: more attracted to sporting events and now $4 billion. How do you, how, how, how are they losing 4 billion by not playing?
1: Well, you got fans, fans make up, they say 40% of their business. So tickets, they've had to refund the, the tickets that were sold already. Um, parking concessions, those things are big businesses. People have no idea imagine owning a major league baseball team and you're buying Tony a bottle of water uh for 10 cents because of the volume and and you know what i mean and what and 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 what your what kind of deal you have and you're selling that bottle of water for 6 or 7 dollars each i mean it's an incredible incredible profit margin do you know what i'm
0: saying absolutely yes
1: and that and 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 so times that times I don't know how many bottles of water you sell a game times 82 home games it's significant money $8 hot dogs $8 french fries i mean i could go on and on and on I, if you've ever been to yankee stadium there's so much food there it's incredible
0: and it, all it's, that's it's all absolute. that's gone
1: and yes. all those
0: workers aren't working and all those suppliers aren't supplying I mean, it's this, just this,
1: it's a it's a ripple effect. It's it's incredible what one baseball game, you know, how it could hurt the economy and workers and distributors and suppliers and all the other stuff that goes with it. It's it has a, an unbelievable effect uh, to so many things.
0: Now, in the context of team sports, I guess it seems to me that baseball would be the safest sport because it's really there's no contact.
1: I agree with you that it that football and basketball is impossible not to touch the other person. Obviously football, you're tackling. Um basketball you play in defense, baseball. Uh maybe if you slide in the second, am I on top of you? Not really. You know, my glove is touching your spikes. Um or your pants leg. Uh other than that, and maybe the pitcher, the 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 hitter is close to the batter. Maybe not that close, but close. Right. And other than that, everybody else is a fair
0: distance. I think so the I agree even, with you. baseball players, if they had to, they could even wear masks. I mean, I'm sure they don't want to, but they could do that.
1: Oh, yeah, because they have that. We've seen not the, the, the mask for diseases or viruses, but in softball and whatnot, they, they play. If you ever watch women's softball in college, they all have a mask on front of them. They could hit. Even with a mask on, there's no doubt about it.
0: Now, like you said, uh, what the CDC and what all these medical experts talk about these invisible droplets. Well, the perspiration that occurs in football and basketball is just buckets compared to the droplets that could be deadly. I don't, like you said, I don't see how I don't see how they're going to be able to do that at all.
1: I I really don't, and and I get it. Do the players want to play? Of course, they want to play. That's what they do for a living. So, so I get that. Do you think LeBron James at year seventeen wants to give up a year, uh, especially as good as his Lakers were, you know, before the pandemic hit?
0: And with you know, he he other has no superstars players coming back, this is his maybe his last best chance to get another title.
1: Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And next year, year eighteen, you don't know. It falls. Eventually, it falls off for you. Right. We 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 know that. So that could be next year. Right. So this is an opportunity for him. It doesn't mean it's going to guarantee win anything, but he'd have a better shot this year. So I'm sure, like a guy like him, it's it, he's sick over it from where he was and now where he is with the chance of the season being lost.
0: Now, th- there's another element to this that nobody talks about. And I know it applies especially to NBA play. I mean, to NFL players, and that the fact that players. Are, are broke right now They haven't gotten a paycheck in months They may not be getting a paycheck And I know We know NFL players Within three years of their retirement Are 80, 90% of them Are, are broke And so I know right now That a lot of players are desperate For money
1: Right, well That's why you can't It's just like The The, the, um, the um, UFC The You know, where you go, this guy's like desperately Dana White trying to get these guys to fight. But people, you know, you got to protect them from themselves sometimes, Tony. You know what I mean? Because they want to get paid. They want money. So so they'll even put themselves in harm's way to make money. And that's why sometimes you need people to regulate, to help people, help players understand this is not in your best interest. But, but you're right. There's a financial thing that goes with it and the way the NFL is set up and the uncertainty of that league without having guaranteed contracts, guys, you know, the average uh, career is less than four years in the NFL. So a lot of times you don't even make big money. I mean, for, for most, for the average Joe, you're making big money. But if you're making uh, five or eight hundred thousand or a million dollars by the time you Pay your agent and taxes, and you know what I mean, and, and whatever. It, it ain't as big as you think it was. Yeah,
0: and it, then it's
1: maybe still more you money than they'll ever make for three years. You right. And and it, well, it. I think
0: you're right. And then think about this too, Rob, which I hadn't considered: if if a guy is a marginal player right now in the NFL, and a lot of players, a, a vast majority of the players, are subject to being released from their team at any moment, anyway.
1: Right. If I they think, go a I year think without 60% playing, percent of the players are or what you would call undrafted, like without making big, like 60% of the league uh, are those guys.
0: Yeah. Off the street basically. And so if a year goes by, the chances of them still even being on a team next year. So I'm trying to say, this is their really one chance to make whatever dollars they're going to make from playing sports. It may not ever happen again.
1: Right. There's just no guarantee the way, especially the NFL is set up. So, and, and I think the same thing, like some of the colleges are, are they don't want to lose money with the football as well. But but the idea like some of these colleges were actually thinking, well, the players can come in and and practice and we'll, we'll do social distancing and all this kind of like coming kind of with a plan. But the, but the student body isn't allowed on campus. How in the world could you allow football players on campus if the student body can't come back to campus?
0: And I, I heard right? on the radio today that uh, somebody from the NCAA wants to have players report for practice or workouts June 1st or June 15th.
1: And I just which is, think which it's is, crazy. It's crazy. I teach at USC. I'm an adjunct. We finished the year remotely. Want we not nobody on campus. How can you ask uh, – how can you ask uh, uh, athletes to come on campus? It, it doesn't make any sense. School is not in session. Hello.
0: <laughs> well, I think that again, money is a big factor in all this. And let's let's talk about something else that's made a lot of money. Um, that the uh, docu series on ESPN, The Last Dance, has uh, really been their biggest uh, thing going because there aren't any live sports. What's been your reaction to? what you've seen so far
1: I've enjoyed it Um, I was covering the NBA during that time I was an NBA back in the in the mid-80s late 80s I was an NBA beat writer so Tony I covered like a lot of that stuff I was there sitting courtside at center court when Michael Jordan made that shot over Craig Elo I was at the palace in Detroit when Scottie Pippen had an ice pack over his head and had a migraine headache. I was at Chicago Stadium in Chicago every Memorial Day for a big playoff game where Michael Jordan was playing. So I I was really a part of that during that time. I've loved most of the storylines I did already know, obviously, but uh, some of the other footage and the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, that's the stuff that I'm mostly intrigued about and I'm enjoying, uh, not surprised that uh, the the uh, documentary has done well. People just don't have an option. It's on the perfect time, Sunday night. But, and even the ratings that they've gotten, let's be honest, a couple of weeks ago, Forrest Gump on CBS beat beat Michael Jordan's uh, documentary. So while a lot of sports fans are enthralled and, and caught up in it, Tony, it hasn't been where the country is tuned in. I, I tell people this all the time. Sports is, it's its own little work life inside itself. Uh, the perfect example is people always talk about how big the Super Bowl is. And maybe you know, 35, 40 million people watch the Super Bowl. The country's made up of 330 million people, so that means 300 million didn't watch it. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, it's, right. It's, it's all, it's all um, relative. But uh I've en- I've enjoyed it. Uh you know, I'm not surprised how it's slanted. Michael Jordan is in charge of the production, so he's gonna put his his best uh view out there for most people.
0: He didn't he didn't do it for the money, I don't believe. He doesn't need the money.
1: No, money Why not an issue. why
0: do you think he did it?
1: I just think that they probably convinced him that um, you know, you got this footage, you should put it out there. Um, and, and I think he's smart from the standpoint that he, I think he'll have more fans after this is all over, even the millennials generation Z or X or whatever they call those guys. Um, I think that they'll have a context to it. Tony it's one thing to watch YouTube videos of old games. It, to me, the, the story's filled in what he had to go through. If you watch video, if you're just a basketball fan or whatever, and you watch the video of Jordan getting pummeled in the lane by the Pistons and the Knicks, and there were no... Those, those weren't um, flagrant fouls. Those were just fouls. Tony, take your free show. Free throws, I, I just you know didn't I mean? know
0: that the Bulls were choir boys. I, I just didn't realize until now when I watched the retelling.
1: Well, well there you go. I'm talking about that's the slant of uh, Michael Jordan being in charge of production. This is not a a documentary done from a journalistic
0: standpoint. It, it, what, what's uh, incredible about it and what intrigues me is the, the money that's involved with Michael Jordan as an enterprise and what he means to Nike and the Jordan brand. And it's just, it's mind boggling the amount of money that he controls. I mean, Michael Jordan is a $2 billion, you know, $2 billion $4 billion industry unto himself.
1: Well, it's incredible. I mean, when you think that he's still selling way more sneakers than anybody, um, I think I saw David Falk's quote that says he sells more sneakers than all the other players who ever had sneaker deals combined. It's not even close. Like, I mean, Jordan hasn't played in, what, 15 or 20 years? And he's still, like, LeBron is a big star. He, his sneakers don't, don't even compare.
0: I think Jordan, they Um, said Jordan sells more sneakers now than the top six NBA players combined right now.
1: Yeah, so there it is. And I believe it. And um, I'm one of those guys. He has my money, Jordan and Nike. They have my money because I love Jordans. I have about 10 or 12 pairs, some exclusive ones I really like, Tony. And that Jordan logo, I have my closets filled with um, apparel I love hoodies and pullovers, and if they have the Jordan logo on it, I'm more apt to buy it than if it just has the Nike logo.
0: And I think what's great for that brand, and I'm I'm into branding and marketing, as you know, uh, the fact that he has, as a basketball player, been able to transcend sports, and now University of Michigan and other college teams have endorsed and are wearing the Jordan brand. That's huge. It's It's really unheard of.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, no. he and it all because his mom made him get on the plane to go to uh, to go to uh, Oregon to, to meet with Nike. He, yeah,
0: he was going to be an go. Adidas guy, right? He was going to be yep. an Adidas guy.:
1: Is what, that unbelievable?
0: what What is it about? I mean, there's a mystique to Jordan that just I think maybe Muhammad Ali had that as well. what What makes the Jordan brand? What is it that people are identifying with?
1: I just think it's winning. It's the ultimate. Uh, it's hard to argue with winning. I think people, even with flaws, even if people don't like everything about you, it's. And I'm talking about winning at that clip. When you're six and zero and you've won all six MVPs, there's a mystique to it. Most people, most people cannot. Uh, Joe Montana was four and zero in the Super Bowl and he won three out of four MVPs. Michael Jordan was six and zero and won all six. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. That that's incredible. Tim Duncan was Tim Duncan was 5 and 1 in the NBA finals. But uh he he didn't win all the MVPs. Do you know what I mean? Like
0: I didn't realize o, Tim Duncan was six. what was 5 and 1 in the NBA finals. He Tim yes. Duncan has five. I didn't know that. I mean, Jordan has kind of wiped other people to, out of the history books in my mind. Tim
1: Tim Duncan is close to being 6-0, and, oh, and and that is the mo- that's the story that nobody ever talks about or knows. But Tim Duncan, if you remember, uh, LeBron, they were going to lose the game in the finals. And Kawhi Leonard, the, 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 um, the Spurs were up by three. Kawhi Leonard's on the free throw line. He's like a rookie or a second year maybe, Tony. Misses the free throw. For whatever reason, they don't have Tim Duncan in at the line to rebound. Uh, Chris Bosh is able to knock the ball uh, and, and, gr- and get the rebound and get it to Ray Allen with that miracle three-point shot. Do you remember that?
0: I do, and I remember the shot, Leonard but I don't remember the circumstances.
1: If Kawhi Leonard makes that free throw, they're up by four and probably and probably win the championship, and Tim Duncan would have been 6-0. and oh.
0: That's that's, 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 how a, close. that's amazing. Yeah. I mean I I think that would that would change history. I mean that would change everything. It
1: would. I I agree. Uh Jordan would still be in rarefair, rarefied air, but but to have another guy match him as 6 and 0, oh, it wouldn't nearly be as uh, you know, you wouldn't have the mystique that 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 he has now.
0: And I think that uh I think Jordan is keenly aware of who he is, and I think um, what we saw in the in the docu series is something that um, is rare and that his fierceness um i think it's i don't think it's unusual uh in sports, but I think in basketball it's i don't think you see that I think you see that kind of
1: no not anymore um, everybody's buddies and friends nowadays is totally different
0: and 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 I don't think uh you talk about being politically incorrect I don't know if he could get away with that right now
1: No he wouldn't be able to it ain't even he would not you know when you listen to some of that video and calling everybody the h and the b word and and trying to get guys to fight you and all that I, that it's just a diff, it's a different world you know that that's why a lot of these big TV anchors went by the wayside. side. You, you know, some of the biggest in television who at one point were so powerful and were able to basically, Tony, do whatever they want. Uh, those days are over.
0: And is it because we're no longer, people are no longer looking away or let, giving people a pass? Is that why?
1: Yeah, because if people people will, if that stuff is exposed now, you know, people will come down on you and people will 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 threaten the network or whatever the person is working and saying that they won't watch and they'll boycott the products and all that. And people just don't want to do that. People can organize now more, you know, better Tony than they, than they used to be able
0: to. Well, social media. That's why, social yeah. That's media, why yeah.
1: companies are afraid. That's why companies listen because they, they know if somebody gets a thing going, they could, they could get people to stop buying or boycott. So, They're much more receptive to people um, than they used to be.
0: I just last thing as we get out of here, Rob, you think about the NBA uh, college football, all these billion dollar enterprises. And let's take the NBA. You start the season back. A player gets diagnosed with COVID-19. That's I mean, how do you how does that how do you work with that?
1: Well, the commissioner Adam Silver said that that wouldn't stop the season if it did happen, that they would take that player, isolate him, quarantine him until he's back and healthy and until he can pass some tests that say that he's healthy again. So they claim that they wouldn't stop the season like they did once a player got tested positive. So they claim that they wouldn't do it this time, that they would play on and continue to administer tests to make sure that uh, the other players were, were playing with players who did not have it. I, I don't know. It sounds it very sounds complicated.
0: It, it it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. I mean, and then let's consider who the player is. If it's, if it's LeBron James or somebody of that standard, I don't know how you can logically go on with the season and call somebody a champion when a player can't play.
1: No doubt. I think that's the, uh, the, the spot that is tough and whether or not people are going to acknowledge or, respect uh the championship and what's being played so it's 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 going to be a test for pro sports how this shakes out but 2020 to me uh looks like it'll it'll be a wash to most people and it'll be something that we will won't soon uh be happy about or want to remember
0: in in the past i mean there were wars when baseball got interrupted uh nfl wasn't really big um, I just think that, like you said, it's just going to be a big asterisk on this season, and it's just going to have to wipe your hands of it and say it, it, we just couldn't do it.
1: Yep, we'll all be like Barbara Walters. This is 2020 because 2020 was a mess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic Rob Parker statement, and uh, I appreciate that, Rob. <laughs> I mean, I think that we we just, to, to wrap it up, uh, a lot of money's on the table a lot of lies around the table, and I just don't think you can um, you can't justify uh, continuing
1: no, and if God forbid uh, some star gets it and somehow doesn't bounce back or they pass or something, then there'll be a lot of blood on people's hands and there will be like like in the UFC and stuff like that it'll, it'll be co- you know you'll start have to question these people and 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 put blame on these people for rushing people back in harm's way so tony it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out
0: rob i thank you for uh sharing your insights with our audience don't forget too rob you're also doing something fantastic on deadspin.com and i think people that care about journalism this is real journalism and what the things that you've done already have been pretty impressive
1: Man, I appreciate it. I'm very excited to be working. Uh, they got new management, new people there. Tony, that's what attracted me there. Guys who have worked in journalism and are journalists, and uh, I'm able to write a weekly column there, and uh, you know, give you some journalism. No fluff pieces, nothing like that. And uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Deadspin.com. Check out my column, and don't forget to listen to the radio show, The iCouple Fox Sports Radio. 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports Radio, Sirius Channel, Sirius XM Channel 83, and on the iHeart Radio app.
0: got to get all that in memory, Rob. I thank you for being here. It's Rob Parker from Fox Sports 1 and Deadspin and FoxSports1.com and every other place you turn. And this has been Open Source with Tony Motley. Share it, like it, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Open Source with Tony Motley is a production of Duet Digital Media and McLaughlin Media.